Oh, Resurrection Sunday, you excited? Yes. Hey, come on. I mean, Good Friday, you know, it's necessary, but it's not fun, is it? You know, if you've ever gone and seen the, the passion of the Christ, um, you, you won't see it a second time. Uh, I saw it the first time and I just cried all the way through it. I couldn't see it again. It was just too heartbreaking. But, you know, Resurrection Sunday is a different story in the same story. You know, Resurrection Sunday is exciting. You know, imagine putting yourself in the picture with Mary at the tomb and Jesus appears. I mean, that's exciting. You know, you're mourning because someone's dead, someone that you love, next minute, boom, they're standing beside you. They're talking to you and saying, Mary, go tell all the other guys I've risen. That's exciting. You know, the, the guys on the road to Emmaus, two disciples, you know, talking about what's, you know, what's gone down and what's happening. And then all of a sudden Jesus is walking with them, has dinner with them. That's cool. That's cool. That's exciting. You'd be thrilled if that was you, wouldn't you? You'd be a lot more happier than you are right now, I can tell you. You know, imagine, you know, uh, all the disciples in the room and Jesus walks through a wall. Now, that'd be fun on any day, wouldn't it? Have someone walk through a wall at your house and, uh, and, you know, start to talk with you and have food with you, whatever. And then Thomas standing there and says, you know, come on, Thomas, put your, you know, put your hands in, in the holes in my hand, the hole in my side. You know, that's exciting. That doesn't happen every day. You know, it's exciting, the whole resurrection. And then at the ascension of Christ, standing there, watching Jesus ascend into heaven with angels. That's cool, isn't it? I'd like to see an angel. you like to see an angel? I'm going to see an angel one day. I've talked to the Lord about this. I said, look, you know, I, I, I think it would be cool to see an angel. Send me an angel. I want to see an angel, whether it's, you know, I remember, I remember lying in ICU and uh, I wasn't good and they didn't give me a good diagnosis. And, uh, and I remember saying to the Lord, you know what, if I'm going to die, okay, but gee, I'd like to see an angel. I mean, you think of silly things when you're on those drugs, don't you? You know. I thought, yeah, I'd like to see an angel. It's like, can, I, can you send me an angel? Like, not a, not a just send me an off-duty one. <laughs> you know, like those police you see on the highway that are just doing roadworks. You know, one that's not too busy, just send him, you know, and just sort of tap me on. The, that, that'd be great, you know. Um, and I didn't see an angel, although I do remember thinking this, as you're in ICU and you've got tubes coming out everywhere and, and uh, you know, there's a nurse there 24-7, they, they roster them around. I remember thinking, you know what, I didn't see one of those angels, but there's been an angel with me the whole time. You know, those, those people do an amazing job, you know. Uh, to cater for people. How did you get me onto that? Anyway. Resurrection Sunday is very exciting. And so, uh, you know, Good Friday we spoke about the lesson that Jesus was given us out of uh, John chapter 12 about the kernel of wheat that fell to the ground and it died. And because it died, it's, it produced a great harvest. You remember that Good Friday if you were here? Um, and Jesus, of course, was speaking about his life the sacrifice that he had to make, uh, that he paid the price for 
the sins of the whole world. And, you know, today, because he rose again, we get to live in that great freedom that Jesus purchased for us. Amen? And it reminded me of the Anzacs that, you know, on, th- on Thursday, uh, well, is it Thursday, Anzac Day? Um, you know, we celebrate that, don't we? We live in great freedom in this country uh, because of the price that was paid, the people who lost their lives, you know, uh, for our freedom. And so we celebrate that on Thursday. And if you don't know as a church, um, we, we go to three uh, services in Layer Reef, um, the Helen's Vale uh, um, Dawn service. Uh, and there are, honestly, there are thousands of people turn up to that. It is amazing. And then after that, we go to the Creek Street one up here at the Uniting Church. And then the third one we go to is down at uh, Coomera uh, uh, at the council chambers there on the corner. And they have a Anzac service. We lay a, a reef there as well. So you know what? Did, attend an Anzac Day service this year. Get your kids up early. You know, just you see them there with the whole families before the sun even comes up. Because it's honour and respect, and it does us good, amen? You know, to acknowledge that when people sacrifice, it was worth it. And uh, of course, we're here today to acknowledge that Christ sacrificed his life for us, and uh, we'd all say it's worth it. And Jesus was giving his disciples the the heads up on what was about to happen um, and the reasons behind it. In John 12, verse 23, it says, Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me. And while I uh, and where I am, my servant will also be. My father will honour the one who serves me. And we dealt with that on Good Friday, and uh, understood the principle that Jesus was was teaching at that point about freedom. And I want to continue on to verse 27 and 28 today. It says, "Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour." No. It was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. It was obvious that Jesus was always, he lived his life with resurrection as his focus. Resurrection was about casting off all the restraints of death, all the limitations of this world that bound down humanity was now all about freedom. I want to look at three things in this passage of Scripture that will enable us to walk in this freedom, the freedom that Jesus purchased upon the cross. Firstly, in verse 27, we have to free the soul. Jesus is saying here, Now my soul is troubled. And it's refreshing, isn't it, to think about the Son of God was really man as well. 
He was just like you and I. He was very human, knowing what was laying ahead. He was prophesying. He was, he was talking to his disciples. He knew exactly what was going to happen and he was trying to explain it in a way that they would understand. But you can imagine if he knew what, you know, the crucifixion was all about, if he knew what happened after that and if he knew what the resurrection was all about, you can imagine the pressure in his soul. The pressure in his soul. And it's said that, you know, we're made up of body, soul and spirit. And there's huge amounts of information about taking care of our body these days, isn't it? You know, health foods and, you know, turn on any TV channel. It won't be long before, you know, they're sort of giving you some new diet or, or some new way to look after yourself. And if that doesn't work, there's always funeral insurance. You know to that? I tell you what, it's all right for you young people, but for my age, I hate those funeral insurance ads. Bit too close to home. But there's so much out there, the press of a, a, a button. You know, there's so much scientific research. You know, I, I was listening to the radio this week and um, this lady was talking about, not, not in the too distant future, that they'll take some uh, cells from your body and then they'll do, use a, a 3D printer and design you a, another kidney. You know, you'll get onto kidney.com. And uh, hey, no, she said that herself. I never made that up. She said it herself. You'll get onto kidney.com or, or heart.com and you'll, you'll put in your DNA or whatever, your cells. And, uh, and then in one month, it'll take a month and they'll produce a new kidney for you. It's like flip, you know. Uh, it's pretty cool, isn't it? I mean, the 12th century, you know, it was like, you're dead. That's it. You're fertilised the next week. Right? But no, we're living longer and longer. We're living in the best, the best stage of life, you know, for our bodies. And we're more health conscious than ever before, aren't we? We just are. And, uh, you know... Our spirit, though, is a little bit of a mystery to me. Like, I, I kind of got a handle on it. I kind of got an understanding of it when you talk about, you know, the examples that Jesus gave in Scripture when Jesus commissioned his disciples in John 20, 22. It says, and with that he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And I understand, I've kind of got a bit of an understanding on that. Uh, your body's easy to work out, but... Your spirit and your soul are something a little tougher and uh, many biblical scholars uh, are of the view that there's really only body and soul because the spirit and the soul are just one, one being. It's kind of who you are in this shell. Um, so there's kind of only two. But the soul is a very important area in our lives. Jesus said in Matthew 16, 26, he said, what good, is it, uh, what good will it be for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? You know, we search for that, don't we? There's something inside of us that we search for that fulfilment of the soul. We might call it happiness. We might call it joy. We might call it something else. And, you know, the world 
uh, and, and, I, and I came from that path that searched in so many different avenues, you know, for that, for that joy, for that fulfilment, and, and all it was was just destruction. But Jesus is, is about, you know, fulfilling the soul. Freedom for me is that I can go to sleep at night knowing that I'm in right standing before God. That my soul is at peace with God. Now, I'm not perfect. I don't do everything right. But I know when I put my head on the pillow that I make sure that, you know, that I'm right with God. You know, there's that, there's that understanding that, you know, we're good. We're good. Now, it doesn't always happen with man, but, it, you know, it's, it's that peace that comes in your soul with God. I said in the 8.30, you know, people ask me, you know, after pastoring for 24 years, how do you do that? How do you cope? Because, you know, you're dealing with a lot of people. And let's face it, people are crazy, right? <laughs> you know, I'm not, but they are, you know. Like. And it's like, how do you do that? How do you, how do you put up with all of that and whatever? And, and my answer is very simple, is that, is that I play golf. I love my golf because I get to hit something. And uh, you, would, you would be amazed at the faces I see in that golf ball before I smack it down the fairway. And as I often say, some people I get up there and I hit them again. Of course, they deserve it. I have this saying, Jesus said that he will build his church and I've decided to play golf and get out of his way because <laughs> he's doing a pretty good job, amen? I'm not going to mess with that. I'll get my handicap down. But you know, think about your soul. What, what, what feeds your soul? We look after our body so much, but what feeds your soul? What, what, what is it? I mean, Good Friday... We left the service here. We went home. I've got all my kids there, all my grandkids. You know, we're all there in one place and just having a great day together as family. That feeds my soul. That feeds my soul. You know, what, what, what feeds your soul? Go out of your way. Go out of your way to look for things that you know that, that put a bit back. Amen? Because what happens, it just gets emptied and emptied and emptied and you end up bankrupt. And uh, that's not God's best for your life. To free the soul, it's a good thing. David prayed this prayer. He said, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. That's a good prayer, isn't it? Every now and then I say, God, how am I doing? You know, what's that thing? Have you ever had that? Have you ever had that? That, that irky feeling. You know, you're just not, you're just not feeling great. You feel there's like there's this irky thing happening. And I always say to myself, I say, what is it? why am I feeling that? Why am I feeling that right now? And you know, it'll go back. It'll go back to a conversation or it'll go back to a situation. Something that was said or done or something that, that didn't pass through, it stuck. Just that little thing. And I always deal with it. 
because it frees your soul. It frees your soul. Don't carry that stuff. Don't care. If you want forgiveness, ask forgiveness. You know, if you've got to put it right, put it right. But free your soul. You know, always have something good to look forward to. I like that. You know, it's like Fridays, I get to play golf Saturday. Yeah. Now, you, you probably hate golf, but I don't care. I like it, and I've got something to look forward to. I was going to say I look forward to when the Broncos play, but not lately. <laughs> if you're not in that place where you're free in your soul, number two, you need to refocus. <coughs> refocus. Look at verse 27 again. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. No, it was for this reason I came to this hour. And you can imagine what's going through the mind of Christ. You can imagine leading up to the time that he was arrested, the, the pressure that he would have been under. You know, the distraction of all of those thoughts and his emotions, what was happening. So much so that when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane praying, you know, they say that he, the pressure of that caused him to sweat drops of blood. That the pressure of his soul was so troubled that, that the capillaries in his, in his forehead just burst and the blood mixed with the sweat. That's pressure. the scenarios that would have gone through his mind. But then you know what? There was this reality check. There was this reality check, this, this refocus on what was the most important thing in his life at that point, the very reason that he came into the world. This was the mission. It was like, oh, I don't know, this cross, you know, the whipping, the crucifixion, what's going to happen? No, no, wait a minute. No, refocus. I'm here on a mission. I was designed to do this. I'm on a mission from the Father. This is my hour. This is my time. I can't get caught up in that emotional, you know, mind-sweeping stuff. No, no, refocus. Get back on track. Accomplish the mission. That's powerful. The very reason. Some people come to Jesus and, it's like joining a golf club. They turn up whenever they like, pay their fee for the round, have a nice time and then go home until they have time to fit in another game. It can be like that. But David looked at it in this way in Psalm 139, verse 13. He said, For you created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. And I can tell you today, folks, everyone sitting in this room today, you are no accident. You are no accident. You were designed by God in your mother's womb. There was a plan, a destiny, a purpose spoken over your life. You weren't born in the 12th century. You were born now for this hour. This is your hour. 
This is your hour. We need to refocus, get our mind clear from all of the stuff out there that's taking us left and right and say, no, wait a minute, I have a destiny. I have a calling of God upon my life. I've got to get back to what is the most important thing. That's where freedom comes. That's where freedom comes. When you know what you're called to do and you're about doing it, when you discover that purpose and you realign everything in your life to fulfill that purpose, should happen when we're born again. Should happen when we're born again. You know, when we're before we know Christ, we're we're off on a journey. We're you know we're doing our own thing. We're we're going down whatever we like to do, and then all of a sudden, this reality comes where God is real in your life, and it's a it's a turnaround. It's like, wait a minute, no, now I have a destiny. Now I know what it is. Now I have a purpose, and I begin to move in that direction. See, and you and you you you, you yes magnifies your no. When you say yes to Jesus, it's automatically no to the other things that distract you from the plan, the purpose that He has for your life. And as soon as you begin to move in that and flow in that, the fulfilment of the soul that that brings, that's freedom. That's freedom. No wonder Christians sit in church for decade after decade and then walk away disillusioned. Give my whole life for God. For what? Sit in church? Really? That was never the plan. That was never the plan. The plan was to take hold of what we were designed for, created for. And you're not all preachers because I need my job. But I'm telling you right now, you're all disciples. You're all Christ followers. You all have a destiny, a neighbourhood, a family, a generation to reach and impact. I don't know. I prayed about this. I prayed about this last night. I don't want to offend anybody, but to you, young people, can I apologise? We never gave you the best model. We just didn't. We made church the model and not the commission. And how do I know that? Because I know this church is filled with people who have been here for decades, the most faithful people you'll ever meet, but not led one person to Jesus, which is our primary commission, our primary focus. We've made coming to church the thing. It's not the thing. They're the thing. They're the thing. And so I apologise to you and say, listen, go to the next level. Go to the next level. We did the best we could do with what we were got, but we missed it. You catch it. You take it higher. You take it further. You win your generation. Amen. I hope I haven't offended anybody. I'm talking to myself right now. Not everyone's destined for the pulpit, but everyone is called to be a disciple, a follower of the teachings of Christ.
We need to refocus. Don't waste any more time going round and round the mountain. Live for what you're called to do and live for number three, to glorify his name. To glorify his name. Verse 28, it tells us, as Jesus said, Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. Wow, I was sitting at my desk and I was putting this message together. And I read this verse. I thought to myself, I wonder how often in my day that that is a mental focus for me. How often in my day am I thinking, you know what? I'm going to glorify the Father. I'm going to glorify the Father. In this next meeting I have with people, in this next place I have to preach, in this next whatever I have to do in my day, in the people I have to connect with, that lady at that that supermarket, you know, that's trying to rip me off selling me those bags. (laughs) I'm still not over that. Still not over it. But I'm not taking it out on her. All right? She's not the devil. She just works for them. You with me? To glorify him. That I can wake up in the morning and know, you know what, today, no matter who I meet, no matter who I connect with, I'm going to glorify the Father. I'm not going to give Jesus a black eye. I'm going to glorify the Father. What a powerful thing to have in our heart. And I thought about it and I thought, well, you know, I don't, I don't even give that a thought, to be honest. It was a shock to me and I thought, and yet it's the very core value that Jesus had. The God I serve. The God I serve, the very core value that Jesus had was to glorify the Father and I never give it a thought. I thought, whoa, something's got to change. Something's got to change. Let's read down here to verse 29 on, says the crowd, end of verse 28, then a voice came from heaven, I have glorified it and will glorify it again. The crowd that was there was and heard it said it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. Then Jesus said, this voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show the kind of death that he was going to die. Something bigger than this, folks. There's something far bigger and we're missing it. We're missing it. Do you get excited when Jesus says, now is the time for judgment on this world Now the prince of this world will be driven out. Why? Because Christ purchased the freedom. We're no longer bound, no longer held back by the prince of this world. There's a freedom that comes in Christ. So I started to think about that. If this is the core value of the life of Christ, then how can I bring this into focus? 
in my world? What would it look like if my mindset every day was to glorify the Father? To glorify the Father. It would change how I treat people. It would change how I handle situations. It would change my motives. Amen? It would change my motives. I could start to deliberately manipulate situations so that I could bless people. That I could scheme on how I could make their life better without them knowing it. That's fun. To glorify his name. It would have to translate to the to the way I treat and interact with the people in my world. And then I looked at a scripture in Ephesians 4.32. It said, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ, God forgave you. Just as in Christ, God forgave you. I thought to myself, that's a really good place to start. Can we have communion? I'm going to finish this message with communion today and I'd ask the guys to, they could quickly uh, pass that out. It'd be great. As we take this communion today, and it's, you know, it's Easter, we take it every service pretty much. But somehow on, on Resurrection Sunday, Resurrection Sunday, it holds, you know, such a, a greater prize for all of us. That in this broken body and, and the shed blood of Christ, there's a, there's a freedom now that we can attain. There's a freedom now that we can not only, not only you know, partake of, but also be able to dispense into, the, into our world into our business, into our workplace, into our school ground, into, into whatever area because we are the ones who carry this. The world doesn't yet know him. They don't yet know the freedom that he provides. And it begins today, if we're going to be free, then we need to forgive. It's that simple. If you have unforgiveness in your heart today, you're not free. You're not free. You say, yeah, but that was years ago and, and that person, you know, is, is not even alive anymore. You're not free. And they say unforgiveness is the only prison that has the key on the inside. You're the only one who can let you out of that prison. To forgive. And no greater occasion when we're talking about freedom on Easter Sunday, on Resurrection Sunday. No greater occasion, no, no greater opportunity <coughs> to forgive and be free. Now I know whenever you say this, it, there's stuff that rises up and it can be incredibly emotional and hard for people. I know that. So can I say to you today, 
on behalf of that offence, on behalf of that offender, can I say sorry to you today? Can I step in that gap and say sorry to you for what was done, for what wasn't done? If that helps you to forgive, then I'm sorry. If you needed to hear those words, there it is. Turn the key. Turn the key and set yourself free. Let me pray here. Heavenly Father, I thank you today for the freedom that you bring. I thank you today for the, the sacrifice that you made so I can be free. And Lord, I'm not, I'm not letting any situation, any circumstance, any person in my past rob me of the freedom of my future. And so today, today, we forgive. In the light of the cross, in the light of the resurrection authority and power that is before us, we choose to forgive. We choose to be free. Let's eat and drink together. Amen. Have a good Easter. Thanks, team.